No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Hey, everybody, check this out. What? what, what? Don't fast forward the show. Whatever you do, this is important. No Simple Road has a new sponsor. Fire on the mountain. I thought you were all going to say, fire, fire on the mountain. Mel got her singing yeah, out of the way at that. the very beginning of the show. That's this right. Week. Look, it's the most wonderful place on the planet to go hang out with your friends and have some delicious food. And I was looking for new sponsors for the show. And I was thinking, you know, who would fit No Simple Road and... Lo and behold, it just makes sense. Yeah. You know, it just does. It's, it's my all favorite. In the name. It's my favorite song, and it is now my favorite wing. <laughs> if you if you live in the Portland area or you live in Denver and you haven't been there, you're blowing it. And now maybe that you, you just didn't know. Well, yeah. And now you know and mm-hmm. you have no excuse. You should really go. There's three locations here in Portland to serve you. There's one at 4225 North Interstate. There's one at 1708 East Burnside. And there is one at 3443 Northeast 57th and Fremont. Yeah. They have two locations in Denver, one in Highlands area at 3801 West 32nd Avenue and one in Washington Park at 300 South Logan. Is it Wash or Washington? It's it Wash. Wash Park? Yeah. I, I'm, I don't know. Maybe it's Wash. Okay. But that's I see a Wash weird park. name for a park. It is a weird name. <laughs> is that but where you I, go to Wash? Maybe. After you eat your wings. But one of my yeah, favorite that things sense. that they do is they use fresh wings, never frozen. No antibiotics are ever used in their chicken. Their chickens are all So they're healthy. starting with a good product and then they lay down the flavor. And dude, those sauces, man. Every I don't sing- know about. There's 12 of the sauces <laughs> and all of them are made daily and each restaurant has a rotating like sauce of the month. So even if you start going there like once a week, you're not going to get bored because there's going to be new sauces all the time. There's, check this out here, soon to be famous spicy peanut sauce, which if if you know the history of Fire on the Mountain, that sauce was originally sold on lot on pasta at widespread panic shows and dead projects at Red Rocks. They have Buffalo Lime Cilantro, which has won the best sauce at the National Buffalo Wing Festival in Buffalo in the past. And then they have El Jefe, which is their spiciest one. And that is the one that will blow the lid on the top of your head. <laughs> They've got homemade queso. The Fremont location has garlic knots and pizza. And then check this out. They have their own brewery 
which serves all of their restaurants, their amazing beers, and Apple can speak to the deliciousness of their... Yeah, I'll chime in here with a quick little review because uh, I went and ate there and I had the Jamaican jerk wings, which were incredible. And then I went with the mild buffalo. They have the best blue cheese sauce. And then we ordered... Oh, the onion rings. We, yeah, we want all the the onion rings. Like Aaron said, they're like onion donuts. They're 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 huge, and they're like double cut onion on the inside, not just one thin onion with a oh, lot that's of batter. How they do it. You're smart. Yeah, it was double cut, the on, like double onion mm-hmm. like rings, and they were so good. And then we ordered the deep fried pickle spe- spheres. Spears. Yeah, spears. Not spheres. Spheres. There's no, <laughs> that there's would be no a such circle. thing as a sphere. That's true. <laughs> hey, I didn't mess sphere. up there. But, uh, and oh my God, those were so good. I've had like the pickle nickels and stuff, like the cross cut, but the, the spears, oh my, I'm just, they were so much better and like juicier. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And then we had the, we had the tots, which were amazing. We fries. had the hand cut fries. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, we went all out on yeah. that. I was bummed that I didn't leave room for a deep fried Oreo. Because they also do that. Yeah, man. Deep fried Oreos. The thing I liked is when I walked in, most chicken places you go to, and it's easy to take, like, make your order real quick. But like Aaron said, the amount of sauces, I had to, I felt nervous. Like, there's people behind me. Like, I need to hurry up and order. I'm, I'm like, it's like every sauce sounds good. I don't know what I I want. And the garlic knots have got to be popular because we were there at like one o'clock. They were sold out already with this big sign that said, sorry, the garlic knots are already gone. So, if you're in the Portland area or if you're in Denver, make sure to go visit our friends at Fire on the Mountain. And if you are kind of jealous and you want to have vegan and vegetarian options, don't be because they have plenty. They have yep. So, And you can go to their website if you don't live in Portland or Denver and order their sauces and get them shipped right to your door and then make your own chicken wings. And you'll still like get the whole No Simple Road family sponsor experience. You'll still be supporting Maybe we them. could use that hot sauce in the recipe, the hot chicken <laughs> recipe. No, okay. that we're going to do. Here we go. And one last thing. I did get a chance to try. I forget which one. It was one of the IPAs, which goes so good with the wings, and it was delicious. Yep. And I'm a beer connoisseur. So. And the Fremont location. <laughs> but I forget which one it was. I think it was the Fremont location. <laughs> has, yeah. Fremont has the beer and the garlic knots. It has a full bar. It has room for parties upstairs, and there's a huge patio. So That's cool. This is like let's have a wing party. The dope place to go get saucy with your friends. Go have a beer. Go get some lunch or dinner. Hang out. It's all Grateful Dead family related. This is part of the No Simple Road family, and we're stoked to have Fire on the Mountain as part of the No Simple Road family sponsor. Welcome, y'all. Save room for the deep fried Oreo. Oh yeah. This episode of No Simple Road is brought to you by the one and only, our favorite, Shop Tour Bus. That was lackluster as hell. It was like, Shop Tour Bus. No, like, yeah, they're great. We love Shop Tour Bus, and they have a new design out. Yes, they do have a new design out. You don't have to say it so loud, Aaron. Say it loud and proud. No, you can be excited. Check it out. You can be quietly excited. No, no, you know what's really excited is their new miracle design. New drop alert, everybody. And this exact design is based on the uh, the principle of incredible kindness and the unique ticket gifting principles of the Grateful Dead community. You know that you've walked around a lot with your finger in the air at one point or another. Go to shoptourbus.com or at shoptourbus on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Check out the new design. Get yourself a sticker, they a just, shirt. Yeah, they just dropped 10 new stickers. So go over there and pick one out. I posted, I reposted 
every one of the sticker designs in our story the other day. This could be a really awesome uh, design for holiday merchandise because it kind of looks a little bit holiday-ish. Yeah. You know, like Miracle on 34th Street. True. Yeah. So, hey, holidays are for real right around the corner. They really are. And what's better than free shipping at the holidays? Put in the promo code. No Simple Road. All all one one word. word. When you check out and you will get free shipping from our friends over at Shop Tour Bus. Get yourself something fancy. Get somebody else something fancy. Get yourself a miracle. ShopTourBus.com. Hey, everyone. Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast, Inside the Musician's Brain, is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration, and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Mel Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspy, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. singing now you got me singing good hey no are you singing because you're ready what was that what was that i don't know look i it's not my phone i just heard chanting and i thought i I heard like something like rihanna like i got you all right wow far out man glad glad i was not the only one that heard it yeah i heard heard something hey now (laughs) what's going on okay you'll have to let us know if you heard that as well that was weird um well we should get a mic Welcome to the show, everybody, for this week. How you doing, Mel? I'm doing okay. Apple? I'm doing good. Darwin? 
I'm all right. Whoa, Darwin, you got a weird voice. <laughs> yeah, echo, echoey. This week's guest on the show is the one and only, the indubitable, the immeasurably talented, the incredible, the stupendous, and fantastic Tim Carbone. Oh, man, you guys. When you. Gonna be such a good one. <laughs> when you listen to this, you're gonna love it. <laughs> well, you're listening to it now. Yay. Do you feel the love already? Is <laughs> yes. it soaking into your pores? Into the, like, do you think that like love energy actually goes like you know how fiber optics like the I'm gonna be a nerd for a minute yeah no fiber, nobody's for a gonna know fiber optics like <laughs> it's it's a it's the size of a, a human hair and the light travels through the center of the thing do you think that love energy goes in and hits the tip of your hair and then like filters down like fiber optic energy into your brain no. <laughs> so what do you think, Apple? I'll I'll, I'll go with yes. Yeah, it'll Steve. balance us out. What do you, What do you guys think? Why don't you write in? Okay, no well, it's invisible and it goes through in your pores and all like sunshine. Well, that is what I felt the first time I saw Tim Carbone play his fiddle at on New Year's, New Year's Eve at Revolution Hall, 2018, 2019, with you. I was completely astounded. I had never seen Railroader that fiddle though, and. Watching Tim play the fiddle is like watching a magician do the most amazing illusion ever. It's like an Olympic sport, like watching the best of the best do the best tricks at, like in front of you and you're amazed and astounded and shocked. And Railroad Earth, like you can't, you can't put them in a category. Like I don't know what. It's just good music, and I mean, there's a fiddle, and but like, it's not a bluegrass band ish. You not would, not really, but not not either. The, the both of you saw that show, and I missed it because I was sick. I remember, and you guys couldn't explain it to me. Yeah, yeah. You're, it was you were hard. you were mind blown, and you were like, "This is one of those bands you just have, have to see." Yeah. And it, to it, get the full skate. Well, because like, like, the light show and the audio and the intensity and the haunting, like, singing. And it just was like a spectacle and, like, kind of like a dream and nightmare mixed well, in together. The sacrament made Well, yes, happen. but, like, it was happening that the light show was happening. And it was and, in the Rev Hall, or not Rev Hall, it was um, at the Roseland. So it wasn't, yeah. like, this big fancy theater. It's no. a little dank club almost place and it was an incredible time i just remember leaving that show that night and telling apple i was like that show was one of the most psychedelic things i have ever been to and you wouldn't think that you think of a bluegrass band or or americana music and you know a band that has a fiddle and and gets acoustic guitar and whatever and you don't think like whoa that's going to be super psychedelic but there was just a a such a feeling of like railroad earth is very um earthy <laughs> i i don't know a better no, way it, to put it yeah and it, they're like a chugging locomotive yeah railroad earth made sense when well that's what i didn't say because flash forward to i finally got to go with aaron and mel and we saw them at red rocks opening for green sky bluegrass oh, yeah. last year and it absolutely blew my mind I remember halfway through, Aaron, like, you got in front of me and looked at me, and you're like, what do you think? And I'm just, I'm kind of like, 
move, move over. Freaking, I'm taking this in. It, it is amazing. These guys are all magicians at what they do. Yep. And Tim Carbone turns into a wizard on stage when he's playing that fiddle. And it, it's just amazing. And I, I just remembered that the Shook Twins opened for them. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. That was incredible. Because I, I was just looking to see, I was looking up December 2018 and now January 2019 to see if um, I had any clips of them because it was worth yeah. finding if and I haven't got it. Man, talking to Tim was such a blast. You guys are going to have so much fun listening to this. There's some really gem stories in this conversation. There's like some really, really good ones. So I'm, I'm super excited for you all to hear this. And just a heads up for all of you, we're going to do the business and we're going to get you to the interview here in a second, but I just want to give everybody a heads up. We're going to try something different this week with No Simple Road. Um, as you all know, in the past, we, uh, the format of the show was us talking for like an hour before the guest, and then we would have the guest, and then the show would be over. And Jason, one of our family Wonderful. members, yeah. my brother Jason, was like, hey man, why don't you guys put the guests first and put you guys talking at the end? And we did that and it's been working out great. And the feedback that we've gotten from everybody has been fabulous on that. And thank you, Jason, for the idea. Um, but we got another suggestion from another listener, Sky Dog. We're going to add a juggling hour. Yep. That's no. right. <laughs> and a quiz show. Da, 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 um, da, da, that is I true. Know. The, I know. That's quiz show, quiz show is true. Um, what we're going to do this week is we're going to give you the interview today. And, and this, what we're doing right now. And then in a couple of days, <clears throat> we're going to drop another episode. That is the part of the show of us just hanging out and talking. Uh, we're going to see how that goes. So if you've tuned in this week, expecting, you know, a two hour, no simple road, like normal. No, you're not getting that, but you're getting two, two, two for the price of one. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. You're getting a drop from us twice a week now. So we'll see how that goes. If you, all, decide, if you all love yeah. it, please let us know. No simple road at gmail.com right in and say, Hey, I love the new format. You guys are killing it. Love it. Keep doing it. If you hate it, keep that shit to yourself. I don't want to hear it. No, I'm just kidding. If you hate it, please let us know so that we can, you know, adjust accordingly. If we get overwhelming feedback that you guys don't dig it, we'll bring it back to the way it was. Just trying something new, you know, yeah, switch it up. refresh things. It's like moving the furniture around your house every once in a while. You got to keep it fresh. Yeah. Right. You might change it back, but let's see. Did how I it explain looks like that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I, yeah. I, already forgot so what let's I said. get to the business then so yeah follow no simple road at twitter or at twitter on twitter instagram <laughs> and facebook at no simple road go to www.nosimpleroad.com and hey i just retooled the great the what the hell's the matter with me? the merch Thank section you, on no simple road.com i just retooled it i took out a bunch of items i added a couple of things and i wanted to get your Mel's input on something before I posted it up there. Okay. So this is a yay or nay. You get final final vote on this product. All right. A candle, a glass candle with the wood top that goes on the candle uh -huh. with the No Simple Road logo on the candle for the holidays. Is it soy? Yes. Is it unscented? Yes. I... Why, okay, wait, why? <laughs> that, yes, it is. That sounded like it was going to determine your answer. Yeah, well, I don't want to be selling any bullshit candle that's going to like emit some chemical bullshit into the air for any amount of money. No, it's just a 
plain and, soy candle with no scent in it. And um, yeah, that's really my. I main thought it would be cool, like light up your house with the light of no simple road for the holiday. Like I don't know. I already want one as soon as you said it, but you know. I mean, I think it'd be cool to have one in here. Yeah. All right, anyway. Those might be up there. That was Mel didn't Yeah, vote. I didn't really vote. I have, have to, to see it. it. I okay, have to see it. More, more research look, has to I'm be done. I'm not the one that just wants to put No Simple Road name on a bunch of bullshit. Like, What about a phone case? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean. Doormat? <laughs> <laughs> Step on No Simple Road. Socks. <laughs> socks, yes. A, a car a high, Yes, I would say socks. <laughs> yeah, look, I just, you know, if it makes sense, yes. If it doesn't, no. That's what I did to the store. I retooled the No Simple Road, st- road store at www.nosimpletoadstore.road.com. <laughs> That's where you can go to get all the No Simple Road stuff. You can sign up for the newsletter there. All the episodes of us are up there. Also, you can sign up for a uh, tarot reading with Mel and I. We Do it. The Grateful Dead Tarot Deck. Hey, if you're wanting to, like, get somebody something for the holidays and you're stuck, a tarot reading is a great gift. Yeah. Mel and I will spend an hour with whoever it is. We'll give you a reading with the Grateful Dead Tarot deck. We'll give you a um, playlist based on the cards that you pull. You'll get a synopsis of your reading and an audio file of it. So you can go back and listen to it later when you completely forgot what the heck we talked about. Yep. So that's a thing. Um, Tell your mama, your and daddy, and your curly-headed granny. I thought it was bald-headed granny. She but switched I'm it up. Oh, okay. That was nice. <laughs> I like it like that. Yeah. Um. Also, you can go to patreon.com forward slash no simple road and you can sign up to be a patron of NSR like Aaron K did. Woo, Aaron K. Aaron K. Aaron K. We sign up for a cute dollar. Aaron, yeah. we love cute dollars. Aaron. Thank you so much. I want to say thank you AK. from all of us. And I also want to tell you, man, you have the coolest name ever. <laughs> so enjoy your name as you go through life. Aaron's a rad. I have never met a jerky Aaron. So love you. Love you much. Thank you for doing that. What about 971-808-1524? We actually got a recipe. We got a recipe? We are three recipes deep into the No Simple Road Family Cookbook. People are liking this recipe thing. Well, I would say we at least have six because each one of us has a recipe inside of us. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I actually would do uh, apple fritters. Oh, those were dope. I wish you would do apple fritters again. (laughs) I wish you would. I wish you would. did it once. I think so I would good. do my bran muffins. So, yeah, your bran muffins are bomb, by the way. So, let's check it out. Here we go. No Silver Road family. Before I forget, I need to call in one of my favorite dessert recipes. This is Johnny B from the lovely, about to be washed away state of Delaware. <laughs> oh. All right. It's called the stuff. All right. All you got to know. Now, basically, it is brownies chocolate mousse in whipped cream oh. in layers and like a truffle dish kind of like when you see those layers of sand and it's just layered on top of each other and it is so good and then inside the mousse and the whipped cream mixed up are these little heath bar chunks broken up so oh. basically you do a layer of brownie a layer of whipped cream a layer of chocolate mousse you put the heath bars in there as you go, and then a layer of whipped cream to finalize it on the top. Basically, this will kill you with calories, but it's, like, amazing for <laughs> Thanksgiving and or Christmas. Uh, when my mom, who's the best, makes it Aww, for John. this Christmas, I will take a picture and hashtag No Simple Road 
so everyone can see what the actual stuff looks like so you have something to look at when you make it because it's the fucking shit that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) if you got the munchies oh my god all right y'all love you Bye. Love you too, John. John yeah. I, I could see it in my mind's eye. That's uh-huh. We need to get the container for it. That beautiful, large glass, glass bowl. Yeah, well, and it looks like a big wine glass, but it's a big yes. And it was already bomb. And then he added Heath bars, which I love. The Heath I immediately bars. started thinking of one with like pound cake cut up like that with like strawberries and whipped cream that's with graham different- cracker. Oh, like that's what I sparked more ideas. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Oh, and even maybe a little brulee of that whipped cream on the top or some meringue. Okay, but you can do meringue. Anyway. That's Sorry. that's I'm how I'm getting you can, carried yeah. away. All right, I'm getting that's carried away. I admit it. I save all got these ideas flowing now. This cookbook's gonna fill up. <laughs> you brulee the salmon. <laughs> no. Hell yeah. Put some ice cream on that shit. Ice cream ain't got no that's bones. A big Alaska. Well. Um, no, look. here's the deal. 971-808-1524 is the No Simple Road tepid line. You can call in there. You could basically do anything you want. You could say something. I don't know. Tell us a story. You can sing. You could You could sing. Trip reports. Yep. That. I don't want to wait for your time You could do that. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'd play yeah. it on the show, but <laughs> you could do that. Oh. But what we're doing lately is having you call in with recipes so that we can put together the No Simple Road family cookbook. And so if you've got that, like, coveted cookie recipe that your family has passed around for every ever you could call in with that you you love to make brisket for the high holidays if you're jewish and you've got a bomb brisket recipe share it with me i'd, I'd love it if you did that hey and shana tovat for everybody for out our, there yeah for our members of the tribe out there happy new year everybody we love are you guys you, are you doing a brisket this year for christmas you better yeah i'll do a brisket this and, year. and apple fritters and apple fritters okay and, and monte cristos and stuff yes <laughs> and then we'll all join weight watchers together <laughs> so right. um that is the tepid line we talked about patreon we talked about the website there's we, apple podcast there's that's right. the podcast if you go on over there you can easily give us a five star punch that five star thing but then you can go beyond that and leave a review we have not gotten a review since the last one towards the end of september Which so guess what it's as time. always you can it's be my the birthday first month. one come on yes. look up a birthday month post for me for your gal for your girl mel be like happy Wait. birthday mel Yes, my voice is a little bit raspy. Don't worry minute. about it. We're not talking about posts. We're talking about reviews and Apple Podcasts. Well, post your review You're on Apple Podcasts while brulee the, the, the meringue yeah, on know that what strawberry saying. We know what you're saying, Mel. Everybody out there, everybody <laughs> out there understands Mel Y'all, speak. Look, exactly. If you've been listening to us for five years, you know what I'm talking about. This is your first episode. Sorry. Figure it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go back. Yeah, so do that. That helps us get there and the algorithm pop up and everything. And then what you can do that is the easiest, like we say, open your mouth and tell somebody about us. Tell, tell a, a friend. friend, family member. And get them to listen as well. And hey, if if you are on Instagram and you don't already follow No Simple Road, follow us. And if you follow us on No Simple Road and you know somebody who doesn't, tell them to follow us. Check it out. We are a hundred and like twenty something followers away from ten thousand. Sorry, guys, I was trying to find Tim Carbone's 
I was tr- I was trying to be productive. You, you should be listening. I am That's listening. What you should be doing. <laughs> You're paying attention. Now we know where the noise Everybody, came. That was that. That's, no, that wasn't me. Yeah, it was you. Was it That's me? what it sounded like before. Oh, okay. It almost sounded like a chant. Like, <laughs> <laughs> guys, if you could have seen how Aaron looked at me, <laughs> I was in such trouble after this. <laughs> and now I fucking forgot what I was saying too. You can just rewind it. N- n- oh, I remember. <laughs> No, I don't. I have to pause it. I can't remember what the hell I was talking about. All right. I paused it. I went back. I was saying when I was so rudely interrupted by somebody who wasn't paying attention, (laughs) we are a hundred and something followers away from 10,000 on Instagram. That's a huge milestone for us, man. I remember when, when we started on Instagram, I remember where I was and what I was doing when I made the account on Instagram. We hit no simple road had been only on Facebook up to that point this is in 20 i think 2018 and there was a guy at my work and he was like how come you guys aren't on instagram and i was like what's instagram he's like dude it's like the cool new social media thing i was like i don't know how to it's just pictures i don't get it like there's no posts and he showed me what instagram was and i was like so what's a hashtag and he explained to me what hashtags were and like we had no followers we started like everybody else with nothing and, um, you know, here we are all these years later and we're that, that's a big milestone for anybody to get to 10,000 on Instagram. And, uh, you guys, if you could help us all get there, that would be super dope. So if you know somebody, let's do that, it before that, the year's end, that, that was my goal, my secret, like my own goal on new year's last year was like in 2022, I want no simple road to hit 10,000 on Instagram. That's like one of my, let's make it happen, fam. And we're really close. So. Help us get there if you if you could like repost our stuff and you know you know how the thing works. I don't have to tell you all of you. You know what's going on. I think they're ready. They are you ready? So remember, we are not going to be here at the end of this. So don't <clears throat> hang out because it'll just be dead air and you'll be driving or sitting or vacuuming and they'll be like, "What? Why aren't they saying anything?" Because it's the end of the episode. We got sucked into a vacuum. That's what happened. We'll oh. be back. And one one last thing. Oh, oh, well, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, finish. no, no. It's cool, man. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I just going to throw out uh, Tim Carbone, you know, we said is in a railroad earth there. They've got a few dates coming up, so they are going to be playing Breckenridge Brewery Hootenanny Ooh. in Littleton, Colorado on October 8th and 9th. Ooh, my birthday. And then they're going to be playing in Grass Valley, California, Hangtown Music Festival. That looks cool. fun. Yeah. For yeah. three Hangtown days, the, the 20th, the 22nd and the 23rd, they'll be playing. And then they got one last date, November 25th, Sherman Theater, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. It's the day after Thanksgiving, I think. Yeah, so if they're going to be in your area, or even if they're not, you want to, you know, jet on down to Hangtown or whatever, do it. You know, wing you on can over see to London these, these magicians. Yes. <laughs> but you know what? Everybody, we love you. And thank you for putting up with us and our quirks and peccadillos and weirdness. It's it's really cool to have you all along for the ride with us. And you are really going to enjoy this episode. And what I was going to say before Apple said that last thing was that just remember that we will be back maybe day after tomorrow. I will wait. This is coming out on Friday. I think it's going to be a Friday, Monday kind of thing. So on Monday, we'll be back with us hanging out and talking. So we love you guys. Oh. What? And one last thing. Damn. (laughs) We always have to do one. Oh, the fifth last thing. Really? Now it's really over. Follow. Go follow uh, Tim Carbone on Instagram at Tim Buddha Bone. 
And you can see this. He does so many other things. He does wonderful, like, black and white photography, travels around a lot, posts pictures of his cute little cats and stuff. So you can see more about this man's life and the interesting things he does at Tim Buddha Bone. And you can also follow Railroad Earth. Yeah, yep. you could do you that could do as that. well. And, you know, Railroad Earth also had a, a new album come out in 2022. It's called All for the Song, and it's out everywhere that music streams. It is amazing. 49 minutes of new music, man. You got to check that out. So without further ado, the No Simple Road crew gives you Tim Carbone of Railroad Earth.
that was last minute scrambling on our end. How are you doing? Good evening. <laughs> wow, where are you guys? We are in Portland, Oregon, and uh, the three of us, um, my name's Mel, that's Aaron and Apple. We all live together, and this is our studio in, in our home, our down, downstairs. Yeah, there's like a, a second living room in our house, and the corner of it is turned into the studio. That's pretty freaking awesome. Look at that shit. <laughs> Thank you. We would love to have you over anytime yeah, any you would like. <laughs> we would have loved to be able to host you while you were at String Summit, but you know how festivals are. You know, you plan on doing things and other things happen. I was super busy. I played six sets at uh, Northwest Spring Summit. Good for you, Tim. <laughs> yeah, we saw you all over on stage. It was pretty know, it was amazing. Just, yeah, freaking everywhere. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, you know, Tim, um, like Mel said, I'm Aaron. Um, we met briefly when we were there. It was, yeah. it was crazy. Uh, you know, part of it too was like where our, um, our interview area was at the time that you were scheduled with us was like midday, three o'clock sun <laughs> too. And it oh, was yeah. like 800 degrees in there. I want to put you through that too, man. No. So I'm glad. Well, that- you know, the other thing is, is that I, when I tried to come back after I missed the first one, I had no idea. I mean, the the shuttles were just not (laughs) running the way they were supposed to. I mean, it was basically, I waited like 40 minutes, you know, to get the shuttle that was supposed to pick me up. I mean, I'm not blaming anybody because I know that everything can get very confusing, but. Well, I'm glad that we got to do this tonight, man. Yeah. This is probably. Yeah, me too. It's probably better too because it was really hard to do interviews and hear really good while we were at the festival. But we did last day, we ran into Arthur Leland and Arthur had told us, he's all, he's all, man, Tim tried to catch you guys. And we're like, well, you know what? We'll catch up with them and have a better interview where we can hear each other. Well, and now it's post summit and, you know, it was a pretty um, incredible and memorable, memorable time. How was your experience at summit this year, Tim? It was fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um, you know, I, um, I, I agreed to be part of the house band. I didn't know exactly what all that was until like maybe like a five days before. And then I got all these pile of songs for like, oh, yeah. And then learn these. I'm like, well, eh, probably not learning those. I'll just play along. And I, luckily, I'm pretty good at like being able to play as I, you know, if I hear it once through, I can usually follow along. I don't, it worked out fine, but I mean, I wasn't, I didn't, I I did spend some time on, on in the morning when I got on, before I went to the festival site, I played through each song, you know, but I was going to, I was going to get the chart. I had the charts. I was going to put them in my iPad, but then when I came, like push came to shove, I was like, you know what? I don't don't really need all this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to play it and see how it goes. And I went fine. Yeah. From, from our end. Yeah. Couldn't have been better. Couldn't have been better, man. (laughs) That right. It was a, quite the experience for all of us. And, uh, you know, part of the reason that I wanted to talk to you, apart from just wanting to meet you and speak to you anyway, was, you know, the, that festival had a, a huge impact on the three of us. Um, in 2019, we had just moved from Las Vegas a few years before, and that was the first experience we had with a local festival in Oregon. and. Um, the vibe at string summit was unlike anything that we had experienced at any other festival. And with 
this being the last one, I, I was just curious from a musician's standpoint, like what your take on that particular festival is and, and what you think of its run of 20 years. Insane. I didn't even real, was, I didn't realize it was going on for 20 years. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I had no idea only because, you know, that seems crazy, but yeah, I mean, I mean, we've been, we're about to do our last, uh, hang town and that's only been 10 years. We've been doing that one. Right. So this guess this will be the 11th year. Um, wow. but you know, it takes a lot of, well, <laughs> you know, let's just put it to you this way. Like, uh, putting on a festival only for sissies. I got to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't. I mean, there's a lot involved. I mean, we our festival or Hangtown is not quite the same size. It's, it's almost the same size. It actually is probably comparable in size to Northwest Spring Summit because we have uh, we have two stages. Like they have, what they have like four stages. So I guess it's a little. Theirs is a little bit bigger. But I mean, it takes a ton ton of money to make that thing go, man. Yeah. It's like we 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 spend like quarter of a million dollars on every one, you know? Oh my God. And, and, and we're a little guy, you know, we're probably like 4,000 people. We're, I think we have about the same. Yeah. The, on Strength Summit was about 5,000 this year. Yeah. 5,000. Yeah. So we're so. about, we're probably a thousand less. Yeah. Well, they were, they sold out, I think. And I, I don't know that they ever really sold out before. I so come go figure the last one sells out. Of course, <laughs> of course right? Isn't that how it always goes with something like that? You can't, you can't make a buck. Yeah, then, then everybody comes out. Yeah. Well, and we've, we've heard from several people we've talked to in the music industry. It's very hard to ever really turn a profit on a music festival. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I was involved in many years ago in the, in the early to mid nineties, putting on festivals in New Jersey. And, um, yeah, I never made a dime, you know, so, (laughs) um, you know, lost a couple of thousand dollars on the first one came close to breaking even on everything else. But, you know, most of the time that, you know, you just resign yourself to like, all right, it's a whole lot of work. And what you're doing is you basically, uh, you know, continuing and promoting the culture, I guess. Right. I mean, the, what, go ahead. I, I say, like you said, it's not for sissies and it's also most people we've talked to kind of like sky putting on strings, sky and Greg and them doing string summit. It's just, you got to have a love for the music. You're, you're, you're not looking to become a rich man. You're just looking to support I, the community. You know, so the, honest, honestly, I had, a, I've had conversations with promoters and, and, and the reality of the situation is that every single one of them wants to make a profit. It's not, it's not, it, 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 it's, it's always going to be altruistic because the only reason why you're going to start doing this stuff is because you love it. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like any other, it's probably not like any other, but it's similar to the, you know, I used to go, I used to do, I haven't done it in a long time, but I've done, I've done probably a half a dozen or six or seven or eight, like high school job fairs, you know, where you, you go in and you kind of explain what you do to students that may be considering to be what you're doing, you know, a professional musician. And the first thing that I say, like right out of the gate is like, if you're getting into this to make a lot of money, you need to go do something else. Because the only reason why you should be a, music, a professional musician 
and you know when I, <clears throat> not just a professional musician but a, a musician that is playing original music and is chasing that dream you only need to be doing this if it's the if if, if you don't do it you're gonna die you know what i mean it's like you're this is something you have to do because it's part of your being you know otherwise don't do it because i mean there's a whole lot of sleeping on floors and eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches and rice and beans you know i went through it for years you know no complaints here yeah i live i've lived the greatest life i can even imagine i mean i mean it's just i'm the luckiest sucker on the planet you know That's, that's great to be able to say that, you know, all in one swoop, like you're not going to make a lot of money. It's hard work, but I'm the luckiest man. Like, I think that that's the best thing that you could say in a career fair to somebody. It really drives it home where you're as happy, but your money and happiness don't necessarily have anything to do with each other. No, I lucked out. (laughs) I lucked out because I started Railroad Earth and we became, you know, we, we were able to, it, it took a couple of years of like, literally like it was, I mean, the first couple of years of railroad earth, I mean, you know, we were in a van and trailer and sleeping. We were eight people, six people in the band and two people in, in, uh, you know, in support, we had a front house guy, our guy, Mike Partridge, who's still with us. And we had a girl that was sell, selling merch. And then the six members of the band in a van, we slept, the eight of us slept four in a room. And two two hotel rooms would blow up would blow up mattresses on the floor, so we'd rotate out in the beds to blow up mattresses, and that went on for two years. And everybody was making one hundred and fifty dollars a week. What? And uh, and you know, I, I took a second mortgage on my house because my my wife was in graduate school, so she wasn't working. But you know, it all worked out. You know, you just got to roll you know, roll the dice. You roll the dice. You just you believe in what you're doing and uh, work hard, and you know love what you're doing because it's a it's freaking awesome you know <laughs> it's hard you know there's no there's no doubt that you know you're, you're away from home and if it, it's not the easiest thing to do if you have kids and you have a couple of you know a few guys in the band that have kids you know not, not you know nothing and nowadays anyway everything everything's Sucks. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a great position. <laughs> At any moment, I can get sick, and the whole thing runs off the rest. You know? Yeah, so, right. Yeah. But what was the what was the thing that put the hook in you, man? What what made you want to deal with that? Yeah, that's a damn good question, and one that honestly no one's ever asked me before. Believe it or not. Wow. Um. So. I, I came from a family, uh, I have a couple, a couple of my older brothers were musicians. One was uh, fairly successful, um, but then ultimately was not. Um, uh, I played violin. I, I guess I got to tell the whole story. I mean, yeah, I, I that's what we're here to hear. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, uh, <clears throat> When I was in grade school, like fourth grade in the school system I was in, you, you got to choose your instrument to play. Right. You know, and uh, my parents basically gave me one one rule to, to be guided by, which is uh, whatever instrument I chose, it could not be something that they had to rent. So that limited it to string instruments, violin, viola, cello, or uh, upright bass, or drums. And I was already playing drums. Uh, I was in a drum and bugle corps, so I was playing. I was playing the snare drum in a drum and bugle corps, and I had a. I played drums in a little 
you know, kitty garage band. You know, we were playing, uh, you know, Beatles, Rolling Stones and the Monkees and, you know, and, and we were awful. So just really bad. <laughs> But we didn't care. We had uh, the girls in the we had like two girls in the neighborhood that came down and they were our go-go girls when we when we practiced. And it was the coolest thing with, on the street. It was the greatest. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> you know, so so I, I took that. the I took violin only. The only reason why I chose the violin is because I had a crush on this girl in fourth grade, Debbie Gibbons. She was a little uh, strawberry blonde girl and cutest girl in the in the, in the whole class and. Uh, I knew she was going to take violin. So I was like, well, shit, I'm going to take violin, man. And I waited all summer long and waiting, you know, to get in fifth grade when I would take the first lesson. And then I got in there, went into homeroom the first day and I looked around and no Debbie Gibbons. What the hell's going on here? So I asked her best friend, I said, what's, where's Debbie? What's going on? She said, oh, her dad's in the air force and they moved away to Germany over the summer. <laughs> so I never had, I never saw Debbie Givens again and uh, it stuck with the violin, but luckily I picked it up and I loved, I loved the way it sounded and the way it, it had this thing that when I played it, it was so great. It vibrated my whole head with the notes and, you know, I just got right into it and I was able to play, I was able to play it right away. I can have a good ear. So I was able to play it in tune. I figured out how to bow work right away. So I was way ahead of the game when I already started because I could make a noise that didn't sound like you were torturing a cat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, so that's how I started and I got right into it, you know, and I was already playing and before I took violin, I was playing drums in a, you know, a basement band, you know? Right. Right. You know, so, I, and I was kind of emulating my, my older brother and then my brother Doug and I, who's my next oldest brother, he, he played, uh, he played guitar and and uh, and I also played organ because when <laughs> that's the other thing when the band started after about the first couple of months a guy moved on the street I had all I had it was a snare drum and a cymbal and then a guy moved on to our block that had a full drum set and that was it I was out of the band oh. but but I got but I had a I got a a little and a, a little uh, Wurlitzer organ and I taught myself how to play the songs on the organ so next thing you know I was a keyboard player so everything worked out you're back You're back in yeah. I'm back. He's back in the band. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I think for a lot of us, man, like, I, at least I know for myself, I've had some it, it, live music experiences that, like, are mile markers in my life that made me love music and want to be around it, want to be in it, want to do it. Like, do you... Cause I, you know, you just told us that you were playing like Beatles songs and monkey stuff and things like that as a kid. But like, do you have any particular musical experiences that you can remember that like made you say like, that's what I'm doing? Oh, right away. The very first thing that made that, that led me to everything else was what was seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Oh, oh wow. What? Okay. That was it. First time, the first time they were on television, and I, I, I saw it. I saw all the girls going out of their freaking minds, and I said to my, I literally turned to my mom and I was like, "That's what I want to do." Oh, cute! And she said, "Oh no, you don't." <laughs> well, you know, sometimes things work out. I mean, 
Well, they my parents because they didn't they didn't really think my my older brothers were doing anything worthwhile right. with their lives. So they they essentially for, forbade me to join a band when I was a teenager. So when I was fourteen, for sure. I I I was fourteen. I joined a, band, a high school band called Jasper, and I had to sneak out. Of, my parents were in bed by eight o'clock because they all got up. Both of them worked, and they both got up at like you know stupid like five o'clock in the morning. So they were essentially snoring sawing wood by nine o'clock okay and i would sneak out of the house with my amplifier and my fiddle and go to and and hitchhike to rehearsal you know because we they rehearsed they were uh, rehearsing we rehearsed in uh in my, the drummer's uh garage and it was all like pretty much soundproofed so they could make noise at any time they want and then all those guys that every i was a freshman everybody else in the band was in college and what? they had they had like day jobs so when we rehearsed it was it had to be like after dinner so i was like well i can i can make it by like 9 30 because it you know usually took me about a half but it was kind of a trip me carrying a big super reverb fender amplifier and my my fiddle and hitchhiking but you know back then people picked you up right right yeah, yeah it's it a little a bit of a world. different world yeah totally so i love that so you're, oh, it's a way different world i can't i don't see anybody hitchhiking anymore no except man for you'd be out of your mind Except for people coming down the, the, except for people coming down the dirt road into Northwest Spring Summit, right? There. That's about <laughs> it. Yeah, no shit. It, you know, from the Beatles to Railroad Earth is is a there's a quite a distance between that, and I I fell in love with bluegrass music at Summit. I mean. I, I tour with the dead in the late eighties, early nineties. And like, I've always been around bluegrass. It's been around me forever, but. Well, let's be clear. Grateful Dead's not bluegrass. No, 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 no. no. I know. I'm just saying like, you know, dog and, and doc Watson and that stuff was always around the Grateful Dead world. Like that. Yeah. That thanks stuff, thanks olden, to Jerry. Yeah. Olden in the way that stuff. But like, mm-hmm. I fell in love with bluegrass at summit and yeah, all um, three of us. Yeah. Did. Yeah. yeah. And even since has started learning how to pick because of that. And, uh, did you, did you go to all the, how many of those? No, no, just just these last two were the ones for us, like 19 and this one. And, uh, but what was the, what was the thing with you, Tim, that, that made you fall in love with bluegrass? Uh, so I played, uh, I played in a country rock band, um, back when I was, I guess I started when I was 17 mm-hmm. and I, until I was 20 or like mid uh, halfway through, I guess I was maybe 19 and a half or something like that called Nebraska on Long Island. We were a pretty big band. I was really only one of like a couple of fiddle players on Long Island. That's from where I'm from Long Island, New York. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, I through them, this was like 1970. two three something like that. i can't remember exactly when but i mean i i had i was aware of bluegrass before then um i was a fan of the flying burrito brothers and i was a fan of Graham parsons and um and you know but when after playing with with nebraska uh, playing in nebraska that we the banjo player in that band used to you know make sure it's like i'm going to this bluegrass festival the band's not playing you should come you know and so i would go to the the first bluegrass festival I went to was uh, the Great Barrington 
uh, Bluegrass Festival, which eventually became um, Winterhawk, which 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 became Gray Fox, which is a big bluegrass festival that's been going on for, I mean, I mean the same people that book Great Barrington are the same people that that do gray fox okay. that's how long i mean we're going i mean that bluegrass festival which morphed for two for various reasons for with different names and moved around into different locations what the first one was in great barrington massachusetts right on the new york border in the in the berkshires so the, but the festival's always been in the berkshire mountains okay so i i went to that first and then uh we got invited to the band even though we had a drummer we did get invited to smoky Smoky Greens Festival down in North Carolina to play. And, uh, you know, and so then I got, I got pretty much got it totally, in, you know, inundated with bluegrass from the banjo player because he was just a huge fan. And I mean, you know, I, I liked it. And, and, and then I, you know, I was started to emulate some of the fiddle players. I mean, I, you know, I, obviously Vassar Clements is a touchstone for me, but the guy that is the big touchstone for me is Byron Berlin, who passed away a year or so ago he was a fiddle player in on those grand parson records and he was also in the original hot band with emmy lou harris okay he's played on a ton of stuff i mean he's on country honk the, the rolling stones from let it bleed that fiddle that's him right. uh okay driftwood on the band's album that's byron berlin playing the fiddle wow. i even okay. i even called i called him inadvertently at he was before he passed away he had a record store in Oklahoma, and I was like, "Wow, should I just call call up and see?" Like, cause I, they they said on their website that they had like just, just go and order like what if you what, whatever key you want to learn fiddle in, just call and order it, and Byron Berline will make a will make a DVD for you. What? And I said, "Fuck, I'm totally doing that." Right. And so I I called up and I get on the phone and I. I I kind of recognize the voice because I've heard him speak, uh-huh. and he said, "Hello, is Byron, Byron Berlines." I said, "Is this Byron?" So, "Yep, this is Byron Berlines." I was like, "I'm gonna sit." I took put that phone. I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" <laughs> and uh, you know, and then I just had the kind. So I just finally asked him. I said, "You know, dude, I don't know what the hell's going on, but you're playing like an open tuning on Acadian Driftwood, and it sounds for the life of me, it sounds like you." you tuned the violin up a half step. And he was like, oh, yeah, I do that all the time. Because <laughs> this is what I do. So like, those, damn, those damn songwriters that take that capo thing and move it all around and screw them. I'll just tune the fiddle up. I'm not going to play in flat and sharp keys. And he's like, no, no, I'm not doing it. I'm just like, me, you, you and I are buddies, man. That's what I do. <laughs> wow. Go ahead, Mo. No, I just think that's beautiful to be able to, have a yeah meet your hero and have a conversation like that and it'd be so yeah, casual totally random. i called him i called him from a hotel room in seattle at like 11 o'clock in the morning Whoa. just because i had a wild hair up my ass and i was like yeah i'm gonna do this Whoa. next thing you know i'm talking to Byron berlin on the phone <laughs> you know tim wow. your story kind of sounds like a lot of musicians in the sense that like you start playing and then these opportunities open up like, okay, so how many fiddle players are there, you know, on where Jersey, Too many. right? Well, are there? <laughs> it just seems as like, well, if you ask me, yeah. if you ask you, <laughs> I don't know, six times on that stage, Tim, <laughs> in one festival. No, I just think that that is really a wonderful commonality when we hear people's stories that 
opportunities just kind of happen when you start following and getting serious about your dream. Like, I don't know, I just started playing and, you know, and then I met this guy and then I met this woman. And then next thing you know, you know, 30 years into a highly successful career, it just happened. You can't really map it out. It just did. You know, it's, it's funny. You should, you should mention this because uh, I'm writing a book because I'm, you know, I'm not quite old as dirt, but I can taste it. Um, um, you know, so I had, to, I've lived probably several lifetimes and I've had a lot of experiences and really good things. And I, I have lots of stories. So I'm writing a book and I, one of the chapters that I've finished uh, is called, it's not what you know, it's who you meet. Mm. Oh, shit. And I found there are three, more than three, but I chose three like absolute like touchstones that changed my life. Like, um, you know, musicians and actually more for me, because I, I, I view myself as not just a musician, but also a producer. Right. So I, I produce records as part of my living. Yeah. And I've done a lot of records. I'm, I'm working on my, I just, actually just finished my 78th record in what? my career. Congratulations. Yeah. That must feel great. Kinda. <laughs> kinda. I, saw, I, mean, I saw on his website, he said, I consider myself a musician, but I can't, I don't know if I will be playing for the rest of my life, but they're going to have to pry my hand, my cold, dead hands. Clammy the hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, the three people that I picked were uh, producers and engineers that basically led me down this path that this other path that I'm, that I'm, uh, you know, very much interested in. And I, you know, I continue to grow and learn. It's a never ending learning process, by the way, playing the violin is a never ending learning. Pro- I never, I took lessons in grade school, but like in a, you know, in a, in a class, in a class, in a, you know, in a group of other nerds, you know, and I, I gave up, I actually stopped going to lessons when, you know, I, probably in seventh grade. So no, everything since then is self-taught? All self-taught, everything. And, you know, I, Mel and I had the awesome opportunity to see Railroad Earth on New Year's Eve here in Portland. I think it was 18, 2018 yeah, into 19. Yeah, that was at the, the Rev Hall, right? Or the Roseland. At the oh, Roseland. Roseland. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That was yeah. the last time we played the road, which is a wild old venue i, I love weird, that place man it's place. a funky weird it's dank and weird <laughs> yeah but oh yeah i noticed and if i'm wrong whatever but it was the first time we had seen railroad earth and it was a really magical evening and uh, it being new year's eve and just seeing you guys for the first time it was it was really something and um your playing has a very uh What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, classical feel to it. It's it's more than fiddle playing. There's a Indian classical in oh, there. Big time. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm usually yeah. Um, I, I I I'm a big uh, one of my playing gurus is the late uh, uh, Usted Sultan Khan, who's a Sarangi player. And uh, I love I love his playing, and it's and in fact the first time I played with uh, I did a show we were on the same bill as uh, Derek Trucks, and and I've I've always like listen when I listen to him I go like 
that guy has listened to to Sultan Khan. I know he has. Right. And so I had him, I met him backstage and I was like, yeah, you know, I had a little conversation with him and I said, you know, I, every time I listen to you, I hear, uh, I just hear Sultan Khan's playing. And he was like, oh, he's my guru. Oh, I'm like, wow. I was like, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's a, I, I played, uh, so I went to India in 2000 and I went to, with a band that's a weird story, but I just, by happenstance, you know, fate led me in the direction of uh, playing it with this <clears throat> Tibetan folk rock band called uh, the Dharma Bums. They invited me. It's an interesting, kind of interesting story. I, uh, I was doing sound, you know, back in the, I, I've always done musical stuff other than just being a musician or anything, anything that had anything to do. I mean, I worked in a record store. I worked in a high-end stereo store building uh, speakers and crossovers and stuff like that. And I will do sound if I have, because I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I got hired to do sound at this uh, club in New Jersey. They are filling in for something that was sick. And uh, so the, I, the night before I was playing like four hours away up uh, by Woodstock, New York. And I, I drove home. I didn't want to get a hotel or anything. So I drove home. By the time I got home, I was absolutely totally fried. And usually I would take my fiddling gig bag and bring it into the office. And that's where I stored my stuff. I have a little office. But this time around, I just dumped it in the doorway between the kitchen and the, the dining room. Uh -huh. And I passed out. I went to bed and passed out. And then the next day I got up and Sometime in the middle of the afternoon, I get a call from my friend, Bobby Sidebar. And he says, hey, man, you're doing sound for us. Why don't you bring your fiddle? And I was, uh, this is like, I was kind of at my last straw of like people asking me to bring my fiddle and just like, you know, dance, why don't you dance, why don't you dance? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I was like, you know, I'm sure I'll bring my fiddle. Like, What's the bread? You know, I'll play the whole gig. I'll, I'll set you up. I'll get the sound going and I'll do the gig. You know, he's like, oh, well, you know, it's not enough money for now, so I was like, you know, kind of being an asshole a little bit. I was like, you know what? I'll just do sound. It'll be fine. You know, all right. Okay, cool. So, I'm, and of course, as I'm leaving, I, I, I glance to my left as I'm walking out the door and I see my fiddle and gig bag. Now, in any other circumstance, it's the only time I ever left my fiddle and gig bag in that doorway. Okay. Any other, any other time, I'd walk out, not see it. I'd just get in the car and go. So I see it and I go, ah, fuck it. I grabbed the thing and I put it in the car and I sat in on the last song. And it just so happened that this guy, Bobby Sarver, his bass player was sick. And so he had a bass player that came out that he, that someone recommended and he was playing from charts and he was great. And so at the end of the night, I'm wrapping up chords and the, the bass player is sitting there and he goes like, Hey man, really like your playing, man. I saw oh, Thanks man. You're pretty cool too. That's great. He goes, Hey, yeah. You want to go to India? I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm like, I play in this band called the Dharma Bums, and we've been invited to play the Dalai Lama's World Festival of Sacred Music wow. in uh, in Bangalore, and we're looking for a soloist, and you'd be perfect. And of course, you know, dummy me, I'm like, well, well, what's the bread? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, oh, well, it's no bread. Uh, in fact, you have to you have to buy your own plane ticket. But when you once you're in India, you'll be under the care of the Indian government, and it's going to be a great experience. So. I thought about it and I had all of these gigs lined up for my band and I was about to start producing another record. And so I went home, I, I talked about it to my wife and of course my wife clear headedly said, okay, 
Are you going to tell you going to tell a story about that record you made and those gigs you did, or are you going to go play for the Dalai Lama in India and like have a story that you're going to have for the rest of your freaking life? I'm like, uh, I guess I'm going to India. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I got introduced to Indian classical music for the most part, and also to Buddhism. I became a Buddhist as a result. Whoa! We went, to, we played. And the Dalai Lama was there and he gave us this little honorarium thing. And then we got the word a couple of days later that he, if we were going to stay in India and that when we found ourselves out in Dhamsala in the Himalayas, that he would love for us to come and play like a show in his house for himself and his staff. I was like, holy, so we, we immediately signed up and stayed for another like three week, three weeks or two weeks or whatever the hell it was. Hired a car to take us out 12 hours across the Punjab to to Dharamsala. And then, of course, he got this funny because in the news right now, Nancy Pelosi is getting all kinds of shit for going to Taiwan. And uh, and at the time when we were when we were in Dharamsala, the Dalai Lama was had gone to Taiwan and there was this gigantic kerfuffle. And we got word from the secretary that, oh, we're not going to you're not going to be able to he's not going to be home. We don't know when he's going to be home, so we, we're probably not going to be able to, you know, come down and play. And so we were like, ah, shit. Uh-huh. But then the last day, we get word that His Holiness is, is in town, and he'd love to have you come down if you're still in. And so we immediately hightailed it down to his house, and there, next thing you know, I'm sitting in freaking the Dalai Lama's living room playing, uh-huh. playing music for him. All right. Holy crap. Wow. Isn't life a trip? That's totally a trick. <laughs> and, and like, and, 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 like and, and, you know, to re- rewind that back to the beginning, none of this shit would have happened if I hadn't left the fiddle in the gig bag in the doorway. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. You would have just gone and done sound done and sound. come home. I would have just done sound. The guy would have never heard me play fiddle. And oh, it would have been. Gosh. Okay. You know? I have to ask. I mean, I, I know that, like, people have. Um, guru experiences like Ram Dass had with Neem Karoli Baba, like, you know, they go and, and sit with the person and you're enveloped in this field and it changes who they are. I would equate my first dead show with something like that. Um, you know, what was that like playing fiddle for the Dalai Lama, man? Like that's transcendent. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, I didn't, so I was told not to, not to like stare at him. Like it's impolite, you know, right. and in the middle of a, like the second song, I'm playing a solo and I'm just playing. And I look down the, cause he's sitting right in front of me. So I look, I look down the neck of my violin and I noticed that he's um, now all of a sudden I'm looking at him and he's staring at me and he's looking right in my eyes and I'm mm-hmm. playing. And then as I'm looking at him, all of a sudden he breaks into this big grin. I'm like, okay, I'm cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. wow. And, and that was it, was it the experience of meeting him that, uh, made you decide to become a Buddhist? Actually, no. Um, obviously it had something to do with it. Right. But, um, I went with like two really devout Buddhists Mm -hmm. and, and they were like super interesting people that I got to know on the trip, you know, cause we were in close quarters. And, um, and so at one point we were in the, in, the, in his holiness's temple, right? He has a temple that's right alongside of his home where there is like a, like a, a lot of monks live and they, they learn 
and they debate. That's the other thing that's weird. Tibetan Buddhism is all about debating. Every day, the monks are like sit in a circle and they they go over the teachings and they argue about it. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I didn't understand it because they're speaking Tibetan, you know. Right. But I went I went and learned uh, the guitar player in the band is just, now has become one of my best friends, uh, Tad Wise. I still keep in contact with all these guys. I play with them every once in a while. And Tad said, "Let's go meditate over in the in the." In the the, in the Dalai Lama's temple, it'll be great. And I was like, okay, I've never done this. And he kind of just showed me how to do it. And I, I had an amazing, like first meditation experience. Uh -huh. Like, and I told him about it and it was like, that is very unusual. Like what you have described to me is, you know, some is an experience that someone would have, but after, you know, doing, after meditating for, you know, a number of years. Right. So what? Anyway, I'm not going to see this, but you know, let me see right there oh, oh my gosh shit. oh my gosh wow yeah. man that's me in his lit in his living room and tad's uh the the guy on the left okay okay wow and uh i've written a bunch of songs within that where do like the song raven raven's child and um flowers between the stones and so he, he's the one he's a songwriting partner of mine now oh it's anyway. beautiful man it, it's it's crazy to think that one simple act, one like unconsciously simple act of leaving your bag in a place that you wouldn't typically leave it altered the course of the rest of your life. 100%. And, 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 and even like, I'll, I'll tell you the other weird thing that I wrote, I write about this in the book, the guy, the guy Bobby Cyborg, mm -hmm. like real earth wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Bobby Cyrus in a weird way because like I was playing myself, John Skeen, and Carrie Harmon, three members of Rare Earth, three founding members, were playing in his band mm -hmm. at the Wetlands in New York City okay. in the basement lounge. And upstairs the disco biscuits were playing. Okay. And a guy had been, would come was coming to see them to see if because they wanted a new booking agent. He had a booking agency called uh, Living Tree. And uh but he was, there's like a circular stair at the club that goes down to the, lounge, the lower lounge. And as he's walking by it, he heard the fiddle because it was cutting through everything. And he was wait, he was, so it, the sound was wet, wafting up the spiral staircase. And he was like, no, oh, what's that? And so he went down and he listened to, he came in like halfway through the first set. And then I went over to the bar to get a drink. And he came, this guy came up to me and he was like, hey, man, I really like you playing, you know. Can I buy you a drink? And I'm like, fuck yeah. Just, you know, like, that's the other thing I teach. The other thing I teach that when I, the first, the second thing I tell kids when I go to high school job fairs is that the first thing you have to remember is never turn down free food or free alcohol. My dad taught me the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, and then he starts talking. He goes like, uh, he, so I asked him, I was like, well, what, what's your story? And he was like, yeah, I'm a music supervisor. I also have a book in the NC. Do you know what a music supervisor is? I was like, damn hell, yeah, I know what that is. You're somebody I need to know because you can put my music in movies and television. That's, and he's like, yeah, that's right. And so he was digging the band. I went back up. We did the second time. I noticed he never left to go up to see the Disco Biscuits. Oh, he came okay. through to the whole end. And then I went back to the bar to get a beer before I was leaving. And he, he gave me his card. He asked me if I had a card. I didn't have a card. So I wrote my name, my number down for him. And then the, this guy proceeded to bug the shit out of me every day Whoa. for like two weeks, asking me if I wanted to, to first, the first thing he did was like, Oh, I noticed you're playing at the, 
at the bottom line, you're 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 playing with Rick Danko, and I was like, yeah, but, but at that time I was playing in we was playing in Rick Danko's band. Okay. And uh, so Danko, we were playing at the bottom line. He's like, oh, my wife and I are big band fans. Can you get us in? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll you know, get tickets. And then next thing you know, he's telling me about, you know, you could, you should start a, are you familiar with the jam band scene? And then I'm like, I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm not a deadhead. Just let's get this straight. Okay. Don't, I mean, I saw, I mean, I, but I do have a dead, uh, grateful dead experience that every deadhead I know, like when I tell them, they go like, oh, are you shitting me? I'm like, yeah. And that is like, yeah, I saw, like, the first time I saw the grateful dead was, Halloween, 1970, Stony Brook University, and Pigpen was in the band. Oh, so okay. Yeah. Wow. I saw the I saw the original band. Oh wow! Dang. Yeah, you saw yeah. the Grateful Dead for real. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So and so he was like, hey, "Well, it's like Grateful Dead started this scene, and now there's like now that you know, you know, now that it's you know the Dead is not no longer touring and blah blah blah. You know, there's a scene that and the, you know you mentioned String Cheese Incident and Leftover Salmon. I had heard of Leftover Salmon. Okay. Um, but I had never heard of the string season. I don't know. And the first thing I said, I mean, not for, I love those guys. They're all my friends, but the first, I literally said to string season, who would name their band? That? <laughs> That's a tragic name for a band, but, um, but you know, it turns out they're great and they're all super friends of mine. So yeah. Good um, guys, man. Yeah. Oh, I love those guys. You couldn't, they're like, they're brothers. Aww. Um, left over Simon brothers to me too. So anyway, he's bugging me, bugging me. And I was like, so busy. I'm like booking. I'm, I booked, wrote all the songs, managed the band I was in and, you know, played all the shows and sang all the songs. And, uh, he, so I, I pawned them off on Andy Gessling, who was in my band, who's our late, you know, late guy that we started, you know, real earth with me. And, uh, and he took the bull by the horns, man. And, and then he was like, Oh yeah, this guy's great, man. He's going to do this. Is, this is what we got to do. And so we, my other band Kings in disguise was ramping down. And I finally just said, pulled, I pulled the plug on it. And, uh, and, uh, Andy talked this guy, Brian Ross, who wound up being railroad's first manager. Like, well, why don't we just do a bunch of jam sessions at my house and we'll find out, we'll see, we'll see what plays are out there. Okay. And, Eventually, the only people left standing were John Skeen, myself, and uh, at the end, Todd Schaefer came came around, and uh, and that whole that changed the whole thing because he just bought a bunch of original songs. You know, before that, we were just playing a bunch of bluegrass standards, and and then we're like, oh yeah, we got something, and then we had to go, you know, find a bass player and find a drummer. So the first person I called was Carrie Harmon. Because he was he was playing in Bobby Cyborg combo, and Bobby had like basically broke the band up, moved to Florida, and I knew like Carrie didn't have a gig, so I called Carrie and I said, "Dude, we've got this thing going on. We need a drummer, and we need a drummer that sings high. And you're the only drummer that sings high that I know." And he's like, "Man, I don't want to get in another band. I just kind of want to be a freelance." And I was like, "Totally lied to him." I was like, "You know, we're just we're just getting together. We're going to do a demo. We're going to make. We're just going to you know write record some songs." And so next thing you know, like we record that, and then we get literally the first five songs. Or the guy that became our manager, Brian Ross, sent them out to Craig Ferguson and to tell you right bluegrass, and he loved it. And we next thing we were booked on the main stage <laughs> what? as our tenth gig at Telluride. Oh hell yeah! Wow. And then when that was all, when we got back from the tour, like Carrie comes to me and goes like, "Well, you got me. I guess I'm yeah, in the band." I guess that's that. One years later, he's still in the band. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Best decision ever, man. That's Tim. If you weren't writing a book already, 
I would be telling you to, you write, need to a write a book. book right yes. Now because it's amazing to me to hear these stories because, you know, for us, we see you play and we have whatever experience we have watching the music and it's beautiful. But to know the people behind it, it, it changes the music for us. It makes it. It's enriching. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. It, and, and especially with, with stories like this, I, I have to ask, is the um, book close to being done? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly how to answer that. Um, I got, there's 52,000 words in already and I'm not even to real earth yet. So, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. The only I mean, thing I've written about real earth is the origin story, which I just told you and, right. and how it relates. I start the whole book with actually, this sounds weird. I give a little exponent, like a, like an intro about like, you know, obviously everything I'm about to tell you is subject to my memory and, and everybody's memory is different. And like, you know, some of the names have been changed to protect the uh, guilty. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so, but whatever. And then the next thing is the chapter is just called Bobby. Cause I do, I write about Bobby Cyborg. Cause like there's right. three different things. I didn't, I met Todd Schaefer the first time through him. And I wouldn't have, Rail Earth would not exist if I didn't, wasn't playing that gig in the, and I wouldn't have met the Dalai Lama and that changed my whole life. If yeah. It wasn't, if it wasn't for going and play that, playing that game with them, you know? So, okay. So now talking to you, this kind of is putting some puzzle pieces together in my head. We talked to Chad Staley not long ago uh, about the high Hawks thing. So that's, you guys all kind of knew each other. You produced some stuff for great American taxi back in the day. So is that, I probably, yeah, I produced two records for them. Right. And, and you knew Vince already so well vince was in the band for the first record right so So i produced him on that record and then he he quit the band and then arthur lee land joined the band and i produced that second album but they had done a couple of records in between did a live record i think and then another studio record between the one that i did and the second the last one i did and they haven't done another record since then so right so what how did high hawks come about then the high hawks came about chad called me and asked me if I would come and play, be a soloist on these gigs they were putting together. And with, and they didn't have a name for the band back then. It was, uh, so it was just Adam Gruel and Vince and Chad and uh, rhythm section with Will, Will Trask and Brian Adams. And they just wanted me to, they wanted to hire me to come out and just play fiddle. And I said, fuck that. I want to be in the band. Man. <laughs> and, um, and so they were like, and of course, it was it, both Vince and Adam wanted to, when I, once I got to the first rehearsal, I realized like, oh, wait, these guys are definitely all about playing electric guitar, which is not something either one of them are particularly known for. Right. And of course, I brought my electric guitar and Adam, the first thing Adam had a hand was, oh, well, I don't think we need a third electric guitar player. And I'm like. Here's the deal, guys. <laughs> I'm not going to play in a band unless I also play guitar. Because I, you know, I'm not. I mean, I spent a lot of time with the rare earth art, like not arguing, but basically there was, there was, there was a, you know, there was resistance to me playing electric guitar in that band until I was just like, I'm playing it, guys. That's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, and that's what I did with the high. I was like, and then actually wound up, I mean, I play electric guitar on, you know, three or four songs. It's not like I've taken all over the whole show, you know? Yeah. And it, it but, looked but, like, you, you know, in the that. future, 
the, the, the sound of the high hawks is going to be based upon the, if we, the three guitarists, whether they're electric or acoustic, anytime the three guitarists are playing, which is rare, usually I'm playing fiddle. Right. When we're going to be playing together. We're going to, the next record, we're going to design all of these guitar parts to fit like puzzles, like a, you know, like the, you know, the band television, if you ever heard them, the way that the way Richard Lloyd and Tom Verlaine had like their interwoven guitar, not like the Allman Brothers, like not a solo. It's just the way they play. I mean, it's just like there's something. And that's how I envision what the the High Oaks could actually do. Huh. Yeah. That- there's like this band, this is band from Australian now called Rolling Blackouts. Have you heard of these guys? Uh, no, no. Oh, Jesus Christ. They're, I'm trying to, they're, they're, it's not, it's not their only name. Mel's writing it down. Yeah. She's keeping They're called, uh, let me see if I can find it. Cause, cause it's, I love it. I love it. It's another one of these, like, you know, it's a tragic name because oh, it's called, they're called Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever. Okay. And they have three electric guitar players and they're, I'm just now getting into them and their new record. You can totally, I mean, it's all, it's, it's, it's indie rock, but it's, it's, it's like these beautiful chiming guitars that all fit together. Like they're not like on top of each other. They all fit together. And that's like, that's kind of what I would love to see the high Hawks do to do that, that kind of thing. Cause I think we could do it really well. And it's not something that you actually see all that often in in our scene. No, three guitars is not definitely not something you see too often. And and you know you 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 said something earlier like before Railroader started, you really weren't too hip on what the jam band scene was. I I, I guess it was you know two thousand one. It was 2001. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was, I got the, we, I started talking to Brian about make about starting this band in 2000. Okay. And so like, you've had a good long time to watch this scene grow and, and change and go through its hard times and good times and whatever. Like what's your take on it, where it is now? You, do you think that like, we're, let me back up. I kind of see us in, as in a little bit of a renaissance right now. To me, there seems to be a lot of really talented younger musicians in the scene that have had a wealth of stuff that they've come up on and been inspired by, and they're uh, weaving all these different styles together to create something beautiful and new. So to me, it seems like we're kind of having a bit of a resurgence in the jam scene. What's your take on what's going on with things? There's nothing... There's a lot of great bands out there. There's kind of always been, you know, believe it or not. I mean, even well, even in 2001, I went the first time, our first tour, I went to the first time we played High Sierra uh, Music Festival. That that festival in particular is, that's the kind of festival I like because it doesn't have, you know, honestly, it's kind of just blunt because that's the kind of person I am. Um, for the most part, jam band scene doesn't really do that much for me, to be honest with you mostly because what happens is, is there's a lot of wanking that goes on and I don't hear a lot of songs and I'm a song guy because I produce records and that's mm. part of what I look for is the song, you know, and then part of what people hire me for is to make the song, you know, the best it can be. Right. You know, but for the most part, it's hard to find a jam band that writes good songs. Uh-huh. So like right out of the gate, I'm like not particularly that, 
interested. I mean, I don't know if that sounds no, cheated or whatever. No, man, that's what it is, whatever it is. It's an opinion. You're well, allowed. You yeah. know, and, uh, but you know, I went to the high Sierra festival and there was way other things besides jam dance going on all over the place. Right. I mean, every time you turn around, it was some other thing that would go like, like but I heard this for the first time I heard this man called Japanese elephants. And I was like, Holy shit. These guys are like talking heads that have done way too much LSD. <laughs> And, and, that's just so something. Yeah. Wow. and, you know, it's, just, you know, so, you know, now there are like, for instance, Billy strings who are you know, obviously is blowing up like beyond, you know, anybody, he's no longer in the jam band scene. As far as I'm concerned, he's a, no. he's just a flat out recording artist, whatever you, however you want to describe it. Right. I don't know that he ever actually was in the jam band scene, but, because you know, I know he was a punk rocker. I mean, and you could totally tell the way he attacks the guitar that he that he started out as a punk rocker. Right. Um, but you know, he writes songs. But when you listen to the the last record, I mean, those are real songs. Yep. And there's real production technique going on. It's not just like people sitting up in a room and you know, which is fine. You know, that's what mostly bluegrass is. Let's get the instruments up for a couple of good microphones and just play, fellas. Right. You know, that's not how I make records. <laughs> you know, I do. I mean, I, I, I've recorded tons of stuff live off the floor, but, you know, mostly I want to get in there and, you know, add color and make it epic. Yeah. And, and um, but, but, you know, honestly, that's, you know, my take on the jam band scene right now is that there's, I, I see something like, so for instance, at Northwest Spring Summit, the, uh, like the Rainbow Girls. Oh, yeah. Killing it, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, God, what else was the last band that I just, oh, we were, we were at Floyd band, the turn, the turnpike troubadours. Okay. You ever hear those guys? No. <laughs> you got to check them out, man. Okay. They're like, I, they're like, they're sort of like a, like a really talented, great singers, kind of a ramshackle gang vocal. I, know, I can't even, I can't even quite. I love watching you describe try to explain them. It. But they're they're really good. They're super good. They got cool songs. They sing them together. They're all having a blast, and people are freaking out over them. Okay, they're not. This is not their first rodeo, you know. Then, but they're not a jam band, you know. Not really. They're kind of a country rock band. So, what's your um, what's your take on a band like Goose now? That's really doing some stuff in the recording studio. This last album that just came out is. I like that. I like that record. At least a few songs on the record I liked. Okay. There's, but honestly, when I saw them live for the first time at High Sierra this year, mm-hmm. it was kind of like guitar player and his little friends. Oh shit! Okay. All right. I mean, that guy just goes on and on. <laughs> I mean, you've seen him live, right? Yeah, a couple yes. of times. Oh, yeah, yeah, several times. Seventy-five percent of the show is him playing a guitar solo. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah, totally fair. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna add, back it up. To- to Northwest String Summit, one of our favorites we met in 2019. Did you catch or have you heard of uh, Banshee Tree? Uh-uh. No. They're out of Boulder, Colorado. They got they have Nick, the fiddle player, is amazing. They're, they're, oh. oh, wait. I think I know the Nick guy. I, he, I, I, gave, I believe I gave that fellow a lesson back about eight years ago. Okay. Oh, really? That, that they're, tall, is it tall, tall guy? Yeah, yes. tall, tall, thin. Yeah. 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 He's actually good. Yeah. He's very good. We, we've become good friends with them. That's why I was asking that they played again on the tweener stage, honey dome stage and just did, did a great job again. There was another band. Nice. Uh, Are they still together? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I got to check them out. 
Yeah, they're still yeah, together. A good guy. He's a super. He's a sweetheart too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, the whole band is, and the Michelle on the drums is. It's a sad thing what he just said. Like, oh, they're still a band. They made it through the pandemic. Yeah, it's well, a, a but it's a real Jesus, thing. Man. A lot of people did. Well, we heard a rumor that they weren't together right. from somewhere, and it was all false. And right. it's like, okay, yeah. it's a it's a tough tough crowd we're working with. Tough world we're work, living right. in right now, man. It's, oh man, it's, it's like there's. We are completely fucked. It's just, yeah. There's no way of getting around it, man. Yeah, thanks I mean, for being just, honest. The only thing you can do is just keep, just, just keep doing what you're doing and hope, hope for the best. But, you know, I mean, honestly, it's a scary fucking world, man, for yeah. me. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm, pl- I'm, I'm out there playing multiple places and, you know, they, we go to some festival and they'll, next thing you know, they're, we're doing some late night inside with like 2,500 people and not a single person is wearing a freaking mask. Yeah, and you're like, well, it's only a matter of time. I'm going to get sick again. I've been sick once. You know, we've had two guys in the crew go down, and we've had the, you know, that was an interesting thing. We did two weeks without our stage check, and we were all everybody setting up and breaking down their own shit. I was like, oh my shit. Gosh. I don't think I like this. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I, I thought I was done doing this shit. Yeah, holy shit. Well, yeah, we definitely. But I do it with the High Hawks, which is kind of fine. Yeah. I don't really care. I mean, that's that's actually kind of. I mean, I set up all my shit with High Hawks. So does I can I look? I did it for a million years. So it's not computers. And we're you know we're lucky that it <laughs> we get to see you do it, man. It's yeah. uh, it's look it, like you just said, the world is a crazy place right now, and any time that we get to feel that pressure release is magical for us right now man and i i just i mean i know you already know this but like what you guys do what railroad earth does is essential to us it it really is man it's no no bullshit like it it's it, yeah it's some of the happy I, I, I yeah i think i think music is essential yeah mm-hmm. yes i think that uh one of the things after the dalai after we played for the dalai lama he gave us this little speech why he put put on the world festivals of circuit music he did it for seven years all around the all around the world and uh he basically just said you know uh music would be one of our greatest tools to bring peace and happiness to the world and i was like dude that's coming out of the mouth of the dalai lama man come on yeah Music transcends all language and everything. People, we, yeah. we've talked to many people that are like, I played with these cab. We couldn't even like speak to each other because of different languages, oh. but you get your instruments out and boom, it's on universal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, it's super important. I mean, what we do, I mean, even though we were not designated as essential workers, we, we are essential yes. workers as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's Absolutely. medicine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was designated an essential worker during all of that, and I definitely needed your version of essential work. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, being yeah. there in the front lines and literally seeing people come in with that shocked kind of, like, you know, war-torn faces, even though it wasn't that literal, but these people... But were, it kind of was. It kind of was, right? Yeah. Like. But, um, I mean, so like I, I'm from, you know, the East Coast and I'm like, I live an hour from New York City. So, I mean, I, we, we saw the worst of the worst there. Yes. I mean, this, this is, there's no other way to describe it that they were, you know, outside the hospitals, they had three tractor trailer trucks, refrigerated trucks parked out of every hospital, outside of every hospital because they were filling them up with dead bodies because wow. wow. the morgues were full. 
this shit went on every fucking night and I watched it. I couldn't, and I just couldn't take it. I mean, I literally yeah. like I cried every night. And, well, so seeing and, uh, that, then, that's legit that you are, you're right. Seeing that can't not fuck you up. Right. You know, yeah. like, and so the only thing that would make me feel better is having that connection that music provides the beyond language, the beyond having, like you don't have to converse. All you need to do when you're listening to music is receive. And that is the kind of medicine that was needed for all those other essential workers, like the nurses and the, you know, grocery clerks and, you know, all those types of people that had to literally keep society going. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, Without it, I mean, I never thought that live music could be gone. And, you know, as everything was shut down, I really realized how important it is for my soul, for my mental health. Not that I didn't know that prior, but it was really, re- the gravity of it was re-impressed on me through all of that. And, and uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, we lost a lot of venues, man. From yeah, what I, I heard a number, I'm not sure if it's right or not, but like 30% of all the live venues in the United States didn't make it. Wow. Yeah, we had quite a few up here in Portland that didn't. Yeah, luckily. Well, Rose I just, th- thank you, Tim, for keeping keeping on and trucking on, yeah, you know, man. and not, you know, saying, well, you know, F it. And, you and know. I'm neither too stubborn or too stupid to do anything else. <laughs> Hey, Tim, I appreciate you taking the time with yeah. us, man, and, and for catching up with us. And hey, throw an offer out there. When you do finish the book, let me know, and we'll help you promote it any way we can, man. That's great. I really appreciate that. I'm really enjoying the process of writing it, and it's actually, believe it or not, it, it helps me remember, um, you know, believe it or not, like I have to, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty obvious when you get older, it becomes harder to I'm part of my, my impetus to do it is like, I'm just going to get the shit down before I can't get it down. I'm not saying that that's, that's going to happen, but like, you never know. No, no time like now. (laughs) Oh shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like what you said earlier, Tim is the best quote of the day and I've heard it before, but it bears saying again, just keep doing what you're doing and hope for the best. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's what we got to do. But Yeah. yeah. Tim. And then my, my new my new statement is like getting old is not for sissies. <laughs> Tim, oh, no. Tim, my dad just he passed away a couple of years ago. And that was one of the things he would there was two things he would always say. He was 80, what was he, 86, Mel? 85 uh, or 86? He would say, getting old is not for sissies. And he said, when you get old, it either dries up or it leaks. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh Jesus! Yeah. Uh, that's, too, that's too true to be good. Yeah. <laughs> one last thing before we go to you, I was just gonna just going back to what Aaron and Mel said. They got to see you at that New Year's show up here. Those two came home, kind of transformed from that show, and could not relate to me what scene Railroad Earth was like oh. live. So then I'm I'm like, well, they'll be coming again soon. And then the world shut down for two years. Right, and then we but, didn't come. We got to go see you at Red Rocks with Green Sky Bluegrass. That Sunday night show, when you guys all got up on stage together with Holly Bowling, everything going on, your guys' performance, they, they couldn't describe it, and I understood why. When I saw you guys live, I've listened to you many times, but that experience of that tangible taste and smell of the live music, 
and Red Rock. You guys, Aaron was like, wait till you see Tim, dude. He's a, <laughs> he's a wizard. He turns into a different person when he's playing the fiddle. And I saw all that, experienced it. And it was our first time, the three of us, going to Red Rocks ever together. And what glorious medicine to be given coming out of a two-year halt. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a great, also a fantastic place to play. You know, when I play, I, I, uh, I'm I the first one, first person to say that I, I, won't, I don't take full responsibility for what happens. I have enough, I have just enough technique to be able to stop thinking. And yeah. once I stop thinking, that's when the good stuff happens. Yeah, man. And the moment, moment I stop, start thinking, then everything turns to shit. So <laughs> and <laughs> stop thinking. And, that, and that's why you took to meditation so well, probably it's because <laughs> that's, a, that's the thing with meditation. It's like, Oh shit, I'm meditating. Well, no, I just not. blew it. <laughs> yeah, <right. Exactly. laughs> yeah. Hey Tim, seriously, man, anytime you have anything to promote, you got a home here. So just let us know, Aww. man. And thank you. Thank you for I do really appreciate it, man. And thanks. Thanks for having me on. And I'm sorry we didn't hook up when oh, but, no. you know, no, well, well, kind of, we did kind of hook up. We got to meet you in person and then now we got to have the extended and, conversation. So it was awesome. And we always offer to anytime you're up here in the Portland area with railroad earth or any other collaboration, whatever you're doing, you have a place to come have a home cooked meal. We have, a, we have, a, we, we like to set people up with a, Kind of get off the road. You can do laundry. We'll cook a meal for you. Sit on the patio. Get to know each other. We'd love to. Well, that you know. sounds great, man. Yeah, you guys, you guys are my kind of people, so I appreciate that. Right, right on, yes. Tim. You have a have beautiful a great rest night. of your night, man. All right, take care. Bye. We'll talk to you soon. Right, take care, Tim. This episode of No Simple Road is brought to you by Define, Define Premium, cannabis. Premium Cannabis. Premium Cannabis. cannabis. Premium Cannabis. So if you are up in the Portland area and you're looking to score some premium cannabis or some premium lotions or edibles or anything that you want to use to take care of your body and your mind, come out and visit us. An iron? A screwdriver. We do have a nine-pound hammer. That's one of my favorite strains ever. Yeah, but we have two (laughs) locations in the Portland area, one in Hillsborough and one in Forest Grove. If you come out and visit us, we will take our time to ex- to help you explore the vast world of cannabis. Wait, would you say that you'll be my Sherpa up the Mount Everest of the cannabis world? Yes. Wow. And we will, reach, out, we will reach that peak together and get you suited with the right product for whatever ails you. And if you come visit, make sure to tell us you are a l- listener of No Simple Road. What I'm, happens I'm then? A, I'm a listener. Well, no then you get, road. guess what, sir? You get a 10% discount off your purchase. And here's a free t-shirt. Yay! And then you come back the second time and you wear that t-shirt, you get a 15% discount. And oh I am God. at the Hillsborough location Monday yeah, through is. Friday. So come visit. We will get you hooked up with whatever you need for whatever else you at Define Premium Cannabis. Premium Cannabis. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. All right. There it is. Tim Carbone, everybody. Woo! Yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we don't use our buttons anymore. What? But you know what? Hang on. <laughs> Why'd you use that button? Because <laughs> we don't use the buttons anymore. Oh. But I found them. 
You found them? They yeah. were never... I've been watching them the whole time. Mm. Yeah, they never disappeared from yeah. the board. <laughs> they, they, I mean, in fact, they're very lit up. Yeah. Yeah, they are lit up. Yeah. They are cool, though. They're pretty. They're right under your nose, they're, they're quite literally. Quite literally. Yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed that with Tim. Yeah, as much as we did. They loved it. It was super How fun. How could you not? He, he's another one that I... I do this with a lot of guests. I put him up there as, like, running for the most interesting man in the world. After hearing those stories and going to India and all the things he's done yeah. and is doing, it's incredible. The guests that we've had, well, Tim and Roger McNamee last week could have a cage match for the most interesting <laughs> man in the yes. world, for sure. Well, I just think that speaks to the caliber of guests that we get on the show. These people that are so eccentric and like amazing at their craft and then super sweet guys at the same time. Almost like who books the show is trying to find interesting people. It's weird, right? Oh, these, these yeah, don't just come to us. These no, interviews, no. They, like, who, they is, don't just... who is our booking manager? I haven't met him yet. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> our, He's got Dar- a big ego. You can't talk to him. Same it's Darwin. Our tour manager and our <laughs> scheduling agent and our, our li- graphic designer. He our demands lighting. his own room. You cannot talk to him. <laughs> yeah, but we do have don't a lighting look him in dog. The eye. That's we have true. a lighting dog. Darwin handles all the lighting. <laughs> He'd be the cutest lighting guy. He would. So, everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate you. it. We'll be back on Monday with us for however long that happens to be. I don't know yet. This is the first week we're trying this out. So yeah, we haven't decided. We we really feel like two No Simple Roads, a few days apart, gives you a little more two. engagement with us. Two. And a little more fun. Two, two shows, shows in one. one. Whoa. That was weird. All right. Very well, good. Thank y'all. And listen up on Monday. Yeah. And uh, follow us on the social medias at No Simple Road and go to nosimpleroad.com and join us on Patreon and be our friend. And we love you. And if we see you and at a go, show, dance with us. And, and go climb up the top of your building and shout it from the rooftops for right. everybody to listen to Wait, No Apple, Simple Road. Hang on, take that back. I what? don't listen to Apple. Getting up on top of buildings is very dangerous. And I'm afraid of heights. I don't want anybody up on top of buildings in the name of No Simple Road. Go stand outside your front door I, and just yell I in say the I would like somebody on top of building Me in Naval Road. I have faith in so our listeners that, 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 that they would do it safely. I support it. All right. Well, and I think you'd do it safely. Do you it. figure out which side of the, that coin y'all land on, and we'll see you in a few Are days. Are you Team Aaron or Team Mel or Team Apple? <laughs> yes. We love you guys. We'll be back next week with more stuff and things. Smile at a stranger. Safety third. Team Hydrate. Apple. Team Apple. Team Aaron. <laughs> Peace. Mel.
Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about the April-May 2023 issue of Relics Magazine. It features a Dave Matthews Band cover story with additional articles and interviews with The National, Graham Nash, Wayne Shorter, ALO, Ivan Neville, our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore, Marty Stewart, and much more. Check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash DMB. Thanks, Relics. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.